Welcome to West Virginia and Commonplace. Today I have with me Michaela Cox. She is a author. And I, when I talk about an author, I am talking about a seven-time published author. And she is here today to talk about her message, her drive, and her passions in life. So Michaela, I am going to hand the floor over to you. Please tell the audience about yourself and we'll get this thing steered and going. Okay, well, thanks for having me. I'm glad to be here. Um, yeah, I am an author. It's what I love. It's what I do. I've People ask me, where did you start writing or where do you get your inspiration from? I'm like, well, and what my answer to that is, is um, I've written my whole life. I don't remember not writing. I was, I remember writing in second and fourth grade. Now, obviously I write things very differently than what I did in second and fourth grade, but um, I remember writing my whole life. It's just what I do. It's who I am. It comes out whether it wants, whether I want it to or not. So and then when I'm not writing, I'm thinking about it. So, and I get inspiration from pretty much anywhere. Um, I think that's what's so amazing about the creative brain is that you can find inspiration from anything in life. So it's kind of interesting to hear where people get it from, but yeah. So, and I have several things out as y'all heard. Um, I'm always doing projects. I've got one coming out next Tuesday and I'm writing another one right now. But I tend to write on my passions. Um, I have a series on motherhood. I have a series on religion, faith, spirituality, whatever you want to call it. Um, I have one um, for my kids, um, but it's also kind of geared towards parenting. And then this next series that'll be coming out on Tuesday is on We the People. And then I'll start another one this year and then I'll just keep knocking them out. <laughs> okay. So, um, Starting off with the very first book that you wrote, um, what, in, what inspired you to write your first book? That one was my collection of poetry, Heartfelt Meditations, and that one came from, I was in, I think I was eighth or ninth grade, and I was in English class <laughs> in high school, and my English teacher at the time, who has, I have a few teachers I still keep in contact with, really kind of opened my eyes to what I could do with writing, and I could, you know, really make it what I want and so at that time I was very much into um, taking favorite verses and interpreting them and kind of breaking them down for people and I don't do like classic poetry I do like free verse <laughs> I'm okay. not like I don't do my rhyme and meter and I am at McCammon or all like that stuff you learn in English lit but in high school but I do free verse when I write I'm not that good <laughs> <laughs> so, no like, liter so no literary devices you're just going at it whenever you're doing it right yeah, in poetry. I mean, every once in a while I'll get lucky, but it's usually free verse. Okay. I did that one. Came out in 2011. That was a long time ago. All right. And where can people find that first publication? Where can they get that one from? All of my books are on Amazon, even that one. All right. And can we go through the list of your books real quick? Sure. All right. Could you name them all real quick? Because uh, audience, you have to understand, I have, y'all know that I'm very high tech and I got everything everywhere. So I'm looking at all of her books here. And we're going to go into a brief detail about all of them, if you don't mind, because the great thing about being on the podcast is, is that uh, you can repurpose things. Something that you yeah. didn't have going on, you can tell about it again. So we move on to the next book then? Yep. The first one was um, Take a Breath, Take a Sip, and Go. That was my beginning of my motherhood series, and that was the first one. And then I'm looking to do book two and three on that series in the fall. Okay. Now, inside the series, would... Um, made you want to write a book on motherhood? What type of things happen in your life without giving too much detail to take away from the books? Yeah. Um, 
I was living in New Hampshire at the time and I given birth to my daughter and we lived at that time 26 hours away from most of all of my, our family and friends. And I have a few friends up north, but a lot of my girlfriends that I had kids were down south. And so I wasn't like hanging out with a bunch of moms going like, what do you do about this? What do you do about that? And like, oh my God, my kids did this. It was just me. And so I didn't really have a lot of people to bounce ideas off of. And like I said, I'm a writer. So my thought was, well, let me write everything down or, you know, write it for myself. And then it occurred to me like, well, half the population is women, probably close to it. And then at some point they're trying to have kids. So I'm not the only one that's probably feeling this or thinking this. So what if I wrote it down and put it out there for other moms who are going through it? So that's what I did. Now, um, in writing, this is just a little off topic. Can you put us a little bit into the process of how you start writing a book? You said that you have ideas, you put them out there and then you how do you put a book together? Because that's one thing that when you're on a podcast, you can help others. Because there are someone that wants to write a book, but they don't know how to get it together. Yeah, I'm big. I have to, there's two schools of thoughts and it has a lot to do with what you write in your genre. Like some people just like don't plan their book out. They just go and see where it takes them. And that's fine. That's awesome for them, especially you're going to see that in fiction, but I'm mainly nonfiction. I'm very planned. Like I have to have an outline to know where my head's going to start okay. me out. I don't give a rat's behind if that outline changes. It could change five times over. But for me personally, when I sit down to start a project, I have to have a vague outline of what direction I'm headed in so I know where to start. Because to me, once I get it started, it's it's all downhill from there. It's getting that introduction, it's getting that flow, and then you're good to go. So I'll get an idea. Like when I did motherhood, I came with a bunch of topics that I were thinking about or I was observing and then I put them together and I organized it and that became my outline. And then I just started writing it based off of my outline and then going from there. Now for me, and this is what I tell a lot of fellow writers or people who wanna write, writing is, the, is simply sitting down and being dedicated and writing it. You can't just wait for the inspiration. Now you can wait for the inspiration to get your idea, but if you wait for the gift of inspiration, you'll write maybe not very often. So you have to get in the habit of making time for it. Now that can be 30 minutes a day. That can be 30 minutes once a week. I don't care. My own writing schedule of time of being able to devote to it has shifted throughout the years of what was going on in my life. Like when I was in grad school, I didn't write. I wrote for the professors, but I, I did a lot of percolation and, and, you know, and mind mapping and collecting. And then when I got out, I put all those ideas down and organized them. And then I started writing. So and now I get to write a lot more because my kids are now both uh, school age. So they're off at school eight to three, Monday through Friday. So usually I get up, I'll start my day, uh-huh. get, get, my, get my breakfast, take a shower, you know, maybe do my quiet time, meditation, journaling, whatever, exercise. And then by night, nine or nine 30 or 10 at the latest or whatever, unless I have an appointment, which is fine. I can shift, I can adjust. I'll start writing in the morning, a couple of hours. And then uh, whenever my eyes get tired, because that's part of the equation is my visual impairment, is I'll take a break from it. I'll go do something else. Um, I'm at the mercy of my vision. It does pretty good, but I still have to take a break. And then I'll go do housework or laundry or something and then come back to it or just do another project in the afternoon. And then my kids get home and then I'm a mom. Okay, so you know how to differentiate the time and prioritize and deprioritize things. Now, one thing that you talked about you talked about your eyesight. That's something yeah. that we didn't get into because uh, we we need to do yeah. a little uh, perspective on you. 
So can you tell everybody a little bit about your eyesight? Yeah, um, that is what I like to call um, my 38 triple D, um, a journey through lifelong disability of illegal blindness. That's the first D. Mm -hmm. um, and I was born that way. So I've never had a day. I've never taken a breath and I never will until I'm no longer on this planet, not be disabled. It's always been a part of my life. It always will be. It's all I've ever known. So it's normal for me, not that it's normal, but normal from, you know, my perspective in life. Mm -hmm. That's all I've ever done. Um, for my background, I'm faith-based, so I was raised Christian. And so we believe I was born totally blind, which I was. And then at seven months old, we believe that God decided to allow my eyes to be healed and create a miracle so that I would, in fact, be able to see. And when I mean that, before that happened, I was total darkness. Like I didn't see anything. And even though I'm impaired visually, I see a lot. And I have seen a lot most of my life after seven months old. So, and the root of it is my optic nerve. My optic nerve is not the way it's supposed to be. It's all jacked up. Okay. <laughs> Other issues on top of that. So it's kind of complicated. And so, that, so with that struggle, that's amazing that you're able to write and do everything you do because vision is probably the most important part of being an author and doing all this all these things um so let me ask you this uh and we'll get back into the books in just a second because i like to go all around on different things that's totally fine what at an early age because I, I asked the question before but i'm going to ask it in a more roundabout way what in, in an early age inspired you to write because everybody has a story because i'll give you an example i do a podcast uh, because um, somebody near and dear to me, they passed away, but they weren't dead then, uh, told me I talk too much and I need to go do something with my voice. <laughs> so, so I figured out something to do, but who was it? Who was the whisper or what was the inspiration at a young age to start writing? I don't know. I mean, like I said, I mean, it's, it's a, not a hard question, but I've been doing it so long. I mean, I was so young when I started writing. It's not like it gets to the point where I don't know if we really remember much before a certain age, you know, I guess I had an idea in my head that I felt like I had something to say and I wanted to write it down, you know. And when you're writing, um, do you set certain demographics or certain people to reach with it? Or if you're writing, do you write for all? I understand like, you know, subject matter, like when we're talking about motherhood and stuff like that. Yeah. But generally, like outside of that, do you set a certain tone or a certain uh, or set it for a certain type of group of people? Mine are more vague in the sense of like, it doesn't have to be a certain age demographic. It's usually more of, does this fit their needs? Like, I mean, I know moms that we, women that have become moms at all certain ages. So it, the, the criteria is being a mother. It doesn't necessarily have to be when you're 20 or 30, you know, I was, you know what I mean? So it's more of at whatever point you start that part of your journey. And the first book is more geared towards first time moms you know, where book two and three in the fall is going to be, okay, now maybe uh, baby number two or three are coming along and you're juggling more than one kid and, you know, you're doing with the toddlers and all that. So it's more of situational criteria, like in the religion series, I know we'll get to that in a minute, but it's more of what are you looking for instead of, we can all seek the truth and faith and spirituality, no matter what age we are, you know what I mean? So it's more yes, situational, if that makes any sense. Of yes, it does. Is how I kind of break it down. Okay, so let's move on to the next book since we dipped and dabbed and everything else for a little yeah. bit. 
Could you go ahead with the next one and give them the title of that book, please? Yeah, it's um, Scripture, Spirituality, and Our Culture. It was a collection of, once again, the high idea of these are my food for thought, observations, and reflections that I thought, let's get a, lot, a dialogue going. Let's just have conversation about these topics and just consideration. I'm not here to convince anyone of anything. I'm just putting things out there for people to contemplate that I thought were interesting or observations. And now, I can't tell you this. Yes, <laughs> this is probably a little... Um, <laughs> I don't know, depending on your point of view of this TV show, where I got the inspiration for this type of format of writing in 2006, when I was still living in Louisiana, um, I was watching Sex in the City. I, I probably shouldn't like it, but I do. And I noticed, for anyone who knows that show, it was something that HBO did uh, 98 to 2004. I was a little late to that party, but um, the main character played by Sarah Jessica Parker, her name is Carrie Bradshaw, and in the yes. show she's columnist and so she writes about her observations on sex gender you know identity you know romance dating you know in our society and our culture and all things men women whatever that go with that topic I thought wait a minute huh, if she can do that I can do that I don't I mean I don't write for a newspaper or anything but I can write articles or short essays or short chapters on my observations and reflections or whatever on the topics I'm passionate about, which happens to be religion, faith, spirituality. And then when I became a mom, my motherhood journey. And then I thought, well, I like politics and I can do that too. So why not? Hmm. <laughs> there you go. Okay. So, so inside that book, um, how do you persuade people? And I'm not saying persuade them to Christianity or to, to, to that because um, I'm from Lynchburg, Virginia. I'm a Jerry Falwell guy, if you know who he is. Yeah, I do. Um, so um like and, and that's something like even in my realm of work even though i'm a christian i sometimes i don't um i, I i'm open to listen to everything and to talk to everyone about everything right. but my own faith i don't profess it on um the um hold on um on the on the internet or anything like that for the simple fact that i will always thought that, that you know there's a preacher there's an evangelist to do that but actually given the parables and the morality, which you're doing in your book, correct? Um, yeah. Do you see that as uh, professing your faith or do you see it more as like just giving a generalization on the faith? And saying, I think it's both because I do put my personal story out there in a resource kind of like about where my journey started with the, the miracle and me being born blind and <clears throat> excuse me being healed and all that so that's a resource in the back of the book because I think it's important that I tell my story because that's why I'm writing I'm just sharing my message and my story and my truth but as far as the chapters go it's just more things of what I thought of and like you know this might be interesting and just conversation starters and for the reader to hopefully consider and take and do what they want with it you know just reflections okay okay I like that one now moving on to the next book uh I'll say this one, living the beach life. Yeah, um, that I did last summer and I got the inspiration. I'm a beach girl, always have been, always will be. Um, and I was at the beach in 2018 with my kids in North Carolina and we, I was in the waves with my daughter and I was just, I get real, to me, the beach is my happy place. I get real reflective and just relax and just, uh, you know, clear the mind, you know, yes. all that good stuff. It's my happy place. I'm like, I'm counting down the days to when I get to go this summer. I'm so excited. But um, 
and when I was in the waves with her, I got this outline for this book and like my head about what we can learn from being at the beach and how it relates to living life. And it came together in my head in like 20 minutes. That's when I know it's really good. <laughs> I was like, but please, please let me hold on to these thoughts so I can get back to the condo and write them down. Because believe me, I wasn't writing them down in the water. But um, and then I came home and I wrote it. And it's just like <laughs> things that I thought kind of struck me as I was in the waves at the beach hanging out. All right, so every time that you have a inner and outer body experience, sometimes it gets put on paper. That's what you're telling me, basically. I guess. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> and I will say that to the beaches in North Carolina, just being a, a, I'm a native of the state of Virginia. Um, mm -hmm. I like to go down to Top Cell, Emerald Isle, and all those places around there. It's something about the water and that sand in North Carolina that's common, too. Anywhere else, I mean, I've done Delaware and up and down the coast, but it's just something about being there. So I can. I want I can the go. golf. You like the golf? Uh, yeah, I like the golf. The uh, the on the west coast and the east coast, that water's too damn cold. I'm like, mm -mm. I need that warm water of the Gulf of Mexico. <laughs> it well, it, you are right about that because it almost takes until about August on the east coast for that water to get barely warm enough to just. I know. I'm like, yeah, uh -uh. yeah, no doubt that. Yeah, you're just like, yeah. All right, and uh, on to the next book. Before the clock strikes midnight. Yes, that was an idea I got in 2011 when I had the brilliant idea of, okay, you have an eight month old, but let's go to grad school. Yay. I don't know how well thought out that was, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I was really busy at the time. I was, you know, relatively a new mom still, which is where the first one came from. But I was always feeling like I was tethered and afraid and going from this to that. They're like, oh God, I need to be writing a paper or I need to be cleaning the house or I want to be with my daughter. I want to be with the husband, you know, family time, school time, projects do, dishes need to be done, ah, all the things. And I was like, I feel like I'm missing something and I don't want it to go by without really enjoying it. And then I got distracted because I was still in grad school. And then uh, the, the third D of the 38 triple D happened in 2008, uh, 17 when my husband passed away. And we sorry. had to move back. Yeah, yeah, sorry to hear that. Yeah, thank you. Move back to Louisiana and it became really imperative to me that I write that book because I felt like I wanted, as a parent, we're always telling our kids, this is important, this is important, this is important, everything's important. And they're like, they don't know, <laughs> like it's all important. So I wanted my kids to have one place that when it really came down to life, this is what your mom wants you to take with you on your journey and then since your father's no longer here i wanted them to know that he also would impart these words of wisdom to them so they have one spot where they can go down the list like this is what mom really wants us to learn for life okay yeah. that's putting your impression in the world and for your children to be there forever and that's really commendable i respect you on that one because not a lot of people get a chance to do that or even put that thought into you know a concept yeah so it was important to me especially with their dad not being here because they won't be able to, hey, dad, what would you do when, you know, whatever. So I wanted them to know that this is what our words to them would be as they're growing up and head out into the world at some point. So, Okay, a portion of the show, um, I dedicate to a, a TV magazine that we all watched growing up. It was called 2020. It had Diane Sawyer. It had Barbara Walters. It had John Stossel. And John Stossel did a little yeah. funny bit. Yes, yes, yes. But we're not here for the funny bit. We're here for the Diane Sawyer question, and then I'll hit you with the Barbara Walters question. Um, okay. People come on the show. Um, I talk to people from different 
backgrounds, whatever, all, all kinds of things. Um, and the one thing that I always ask everybody, everybody has a great triumph story. Everyone has a, a, a great uphill battle, but nobody ever wants to talk about the failures. As an author. However, I'll talk about all of us. <laughs> yeah. As an, as an author, what was your first failure as an author? Well, as an author, I mean, I'm still learning right now, trying to get it to where I want to be, but what, and you probably heard me talk about it in that video you mentioned on that I did uh, at the conference, Heartfelt Meditation was published through another company before I even knew about uh, self-publishing school or Amazon KDP for the ones who are in the publishing world. What that stands for is uh, Kindle Direct Publishing. It's Amazon's own self-publishing company. Um, but anyway, I went a different route the first time and it wasn't a bad deal. It's just, it didn't do everything I wanted it to do. And then I needed to find a better way of doing it. And so I have gone, so I wasn't informed enough to really understand what it required of me in 2011. And so I wish I had known more when I did it. So I'm glad I've now found a better way and be able to do more with it. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. And building on that to help fledging authors down the road and for the next Michaela that's sitting in um, not Louisiana, but Biloxi, Mississippi, getting her getting herself <laughs> well, ready. I wish I was in Mississippi, Biloxi, Mississippi or the beach right now. <laughs> me too. Um, but the next Michaela that wants to write a book, give me three pieces of advice for the next Michaela or the next writer in general? What are three things that they can do in the beginning to get to where you are today? Well, okay, those are two separate questions. What I would tell writers to inspire them is always write what your voice is telling you to write. You all got a story, you all got a message and always share it. And then write what you know and write what you have a passion about and just go for it. And the second one would be, be disciplined and, for me, it's better to have a plan. Not everyone writes that way, but I say have a plan, but that's just me. Now, as far as what I did, I found the path that works best for me. There's more, usually more than one way of doing things. So as a writer, you have to find whatever path works best for you and what you're trying to write in your message. Whether that's self-publishing, whether that's traditional, whether that's, you know, whatever. Because there's more than one ways of even self-publishing in and of itself. So it just depends on what's the best fit for them. And here's a here's the Barbara Walters question. Now that you have been down the road with a publisher and now you are with self-publishing, what advice would you tell someone that's starting out on the publishing end? Should they go self-publishing or should they try to go to a publisher? I think it's easier to go it used to be not considered this way, but KDP, uh, Kindle Direct Publishing really has changed the world of even in self-publishing. And a lot of people are even going geared towards self-publishing now. And it's not viewed the way it used to be because you get to control it all yourself. And with KDP, you get better royalties out of it. So to me, it's better. But like I said, that just works for me. Okay. Now, since COVID-19 is dying down in certain states, and I can say officially for the great state of West Virginia, we're open again. Oh, hallelujah. Are, are there going to be any points in the future that you're going to go out on a book tour or are you going to do a virtual book tour or anything to that extent? I don't mind doing book tours. I would love to do them um, in bookstores. And I've heard about the virtual one and I would love to explore that. So I'll have to, that's a piece I'll have to learn about. But yeah, I would love to do it. Okay. I just have now, to get it set up. 
whenever that you know we get back to the more real normal in-person world <laughs> yes that's one thing um that that, that i want to dive into because barbara walter gets a little bit deeper than diane sawyer in my opinion um yeah, how has COVID 19 affected you in writing and promoting books excuse me well it hasn't really affected me that much because everyone was adjusting to staying home i stay home all the time anyway because i work from home and unless you know because of my vision i don't drive so i'm unless i'm with friends or with people i don't really leave the house unless someone comes to get me because i can't drive which is fine so i'm used to it it wasn't a shock to be like oh my gosh i can't believe i have to stay home all the time i'm like yeah and <laughs> it was nothing different for me but now what was different was um because the kiddos were home half the school year i got behind like because that's when i write i write when they're in school so i was like I lost like two and a half months of writing time. So I had to work my butt off last summer to get caught up. So that was kind of a, a different switch of strategies and ways of doing things, but it was, all right. it worked out. It was all right. Okay. Now, um, going outside of 2020 questions, um, what are the next projects that you're starting on? I will have my first political book coming out in, on Tuesday. And I'm writing the second book right now in the religious series. And then I will start the first book in a new series called Now I See, which is going to be about my life, diving into aspects of my life. And then I'll do the sequel for the Before the Clock Strikes Midnight series and book two and three of Motherhood. Okay. This is very much a year of the sequels, except for the one about my life. Okay. Now, um, where can people find you on social media? Because that's the biggest thing. Um, when it comes to uh, finding, to, to listen, to, looking at people and uh, finding out about them, because I had one person that I deal with, she's out of Georgia. She doesn't go on Instagram. So you can't find her there, but uh, you can find her on Facebook, Tumblr, which that's weird, Twitter and other places like that. And even on Snapchat, which kind of still boggles my mind, she's not on Instagram. So where can everybody find you? I'm on Facebook and Instagram. I need to beef up some Instagram stuff, but I am on there. I am on Facebook and I have a webpage. And if you go to my webpage, which is um, myheartfeltmeditations.com, you can get to all the things from that website. You can go to, there's an icon across the top for my author central page, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. <clears throat> okay, okay. Um, now, the book that we've been wanting to talk about and it's probably... Uh, the reason that you came on the podcast, We the People. I just timed out, right? Because I wasn't sure when it was going to release when I signed up. So it just worked out. Yeah, it comes out. It's already up on Amazon, but I, I officially launched on Tuesday. Okay. So can you give us a little perspective into it? Just a little bit, because yeah. we don't want to take away from any cells. No, 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 no. It's, it's really about We the People. It's about um, my master's was in political science and American government. And while I may have certain opinions myself and the kind of perspective I come from, I'm first and foremost a constitutionalist, period. End of story, every day, all day long, I will always go back to the Constitution. And my belief is we as Americans individually and then eventually who collectively make up the collective we, the people of this country, need to understand the rules of the gang. You wouldn't play basketball or soccer or football or baseball or any other sport if you didn't know how to play the game. You wouldn't True. play it if you didn't. So we as individuals have to understand the rules of the game of how we govern in this country. I don't care if you, not you necessarily, but people in general, I don't care if you like them. I don't care if you don't like them. I don't care if you agree with them. I don't care if you disagree with them. My point is you need to know the game, the rules 
then go play the game. And then if you don't like the rules, change them while you're playing the game. But you can't do that if you don't know where you started from. So people need to be informed and educated and understand what this country is really about. Okay, and I like that. And I like how um, it, it, it's not opinionated. You're, you're basing it, it seems like you're basing it on facts. That's one well, thing. I do have a section that because I am a member of We the People, I do talk about what I think a little bit. But yes, the bulk of the book is about like the first chapters are defining and exploring what it is what is we the people? What is the purpose of it? What is the meaning of it? What is the significance of it? Who makes up we the people? How did it become? It's very much just explaining and illustrating the very core importance of that in this country. Because if we the people don't get that, we the people will lose what we didn't know we didn't we had because we didn't know what was really going on. Okay, okay. And this book will be released on Tuesday. So that means that this podcast will be coming out fairly quick, guys. So that we can uh, make yeah. sure all that stuff. And um, one last thing before we jump off here, um, yep. would you like to give a shout out to anybody? In regards to what? Because that could be a lot of people. <laughs> um, like just anybody that's helped you along the way. I mean, oh, definitely. We always want to give back to and let people know and yeah. encourage them to keep doing no, what I they're just, doing. I was just trying to figure out in what respect. So, like, are we talking about just life or writing or you know? Anyway, um, obviously, my mom had a lot to do with. The, the book we're talking about right now because she was I got my love of politics from her on that respect so as a matter of fact I talked about that in the introduction of the book I was like this is my mom's fault because <laughs> that's where I got it from but um and then as far as um I had that teach I had a couple of teachers in high school that really showed me that I could write and that I could do what I want with it so that helped that and then self-publishing school has been a game changer for me um, as far as helping me learn how to do like you're talking about like, how do you put a book together how do you get a formatter how do you get cover design and editing and using the amazing tool of amazon kdp okay so those are some definite things that i would say have helped you know along the way all right so michaela i want to thank you so much for coming on west virginia and commonplace um i hope that you have uh a great amount of success with all of your books yeah. and that you continue doing your sequels and making new series. Uh, it takes a lot. And uh, I always give a testimonial. It takes a lot for someone to go through a lot and come out on a, come out in a better end of things. And you seem like you have done that. Um, I do my best to thrive in all things and try and make it the best of it. I mean, there's good days and bad days. I mean, I'm not perfect. I don't have all the answers and I don't claim to, but I'm trying to figure it out, you know, in any challenge you have your good days and your ups and your downs that's why it's a challenge if it was easy it wouldn't be a challenge now would it <laughs> true and um thank you for hugging the world the world needs hugs like the ones that you provide with your books with your attitude and your enthusiasm for writing writing is not a dying art but writing is a art that not everybody picks up and perfects uh we always look for it in, in literary things in any art we look for proficiency and efficiency and you I uh, can definitely give yourself a little pat on the back because it seems like you do those. Um, so once again, I want to thank you for being on the show and we'll uh, hopefully have you back on again when your next book comes out. That'd be awesome. All right. Thank you. Thank you.